Last time on Clutch. Matt and Mike have a new lead in Taylor, who is on her own quest to avenge her sister. Taylor orchestrated her own capture while Matt tracks her GPS to the elusive ring known as Silence. Back in Canada, Sid's vengeance spree has her questioning her moral compass and finding solace in the arms of Michelle. Clutch, Chapter 3, Episode 3, Silence is Broken. Written, directed, and audio edited by Jonathan Robbins. Interior, Federal Bureau of Investigation's Regional Headquarters, Day. Inside a minimalist, glass-walled office, a poised woman shuffles through contents of a duotang. This is Jennifer Dionisio. A polite tap on the glass door calls her attention. She flips the folder shut and casually sets it in front of her. In comes Nicole. You want to see me, ma'am? Have a seat. She carries herself with confidence as she sits down opposite the desk. Nicole Bauer. Apologies, ma'am. Did we meet during training? No. But you do come with glowing recommendations from all your instructors at Quantico. Your three-year prereq was fast-tracked. You're one of the youngest agents the Bureau has ever graduated. If you're concerned about my ability to operate in the field, I can assure you that I have the experience to handle myself. I know you do. And your experience is exactly the reason I'm concerned. I don't understand. Abducted at 18, where you witnessed the execution of a covert operative. I was transparent about that with recruitment. I don't care. I'm gonna put this bluntly. Personal feelings cannot get in the way of the work you do, Agent Bauer. And if it becomes my opinion that they are, I don't care if you bring a letter of recommendation from the President of the United States. You will be pulled from the field or separated from the Bureau entirely. Do I make myself clear? Yes, ma'am. Good. Now report to briefing room C. Dismissed. Interior, FBI briefing room C, moments later. Nicole takes her seat amongst a dozen other agents. At the front of the room, illuminated by light from a video projector, is Agent Dallas. Congratulations, everyone. We've got a big one. This is a tier one criminal operation, which we've been monitoring for a long time. And today, we take down. Another agent passes out dossiers as Agent Dallas cues the presentation. I'm going to need each and every one of you on your A-game for this. Nicole's jaw drops when she sees the first slide. Oh, shit. Interior, cat house, morning. A wooden door opens as Sid, in nothing but an oversized t-shirt, emerges from her room with a yawn. She takes one last look back at a sleeping Michelle, who curls up with a second pillow, in that way you do when you're not awake enough yet to know that someone has left the bed. Sid wanders down the hall to the bathroom, passing a room from which the sounds of rough sex come to an end. Sid closes the door behind her as she starts a shower. Interior cat house bathroom later. The shower squeaks to a stop. Sid reaches for a towel and dries off before wrapping it around herself. She opens the bathroom door to the hallway and is startled by a large figure standing in it. If this was just a client, she'd laugh it off. However, she recognizes this giant framed man. 
It is Marcel's number one henchman, and he recognizes her. The henchman reaches for his pistol, only to realize that in his open-shirted, belt-undone state, he isn't wearing his holster. In the moment of confusion, Sid reaches for a glass that holds toothbrushes, smashes it against the doorframe, and plunges the resulting shard into his neck. The henchman gurgles blood as he attempts to put pressure on the wound, but it is no use as he collapses in a thud. Kara, hearing the commotion, peeks into the hall. She looks at Sid, as a mother, disappointed by a child. What have you done? I... I had to. You had to. Was he going to hurt you, or did you just not like the way he looked? Jesus fucking Christ, Sid, one of Marcel's gang, in our house. You, You brought the war here. Marcel will come for us all, for fuck's sake! He's the one person I said we couldn't cross. You've endangered everyone here. I know. Sid looks back in tears with no words to save this. Kara barges into Sid's room, grabs a recently woken Michelle by the hair, and drags her to the hall. What the hell? Get your hands off me. Both of you out. No. You're no longer welcome here. Michelle recognizes the henchman's body. Is that? Sid sheepishly nods. Kara darts back into Sid's room and tosses clothes into the hallway. Out! Now! Michelle grabs a lipstick from her purse and scribbles a number on the wall. Call Raven. She'll have the body taken care of. Interior, grungy motel, day. Mike and Matt loom over the laptop screen, watching a dot inch its way along a freeway. Shouldn't we be in a vehicle trailing her? Like, now? We need to know where she's going first. I'm not going in blind. Again. And I'm not sitting on my ass while she gets farther away. An hour ago, you were content to just give her up and bring me the sad news. Mike, antsy, goes to the window and draws the curtain. He does not like what he sees. Well, fuck me sideways. The banter is cut off by a flashbang, shortly followed by laser sights and the shuffling of SWAT officers. FBI! Nobody move! Seize everything! Starting with that. Dallas points to the open laptop on the bed, which is quickly snatched away by gloved hands. On the charges of fraud, forgery, grand theft, and assault of a federal agent, you are under arrest. Wait, uh, assault of a federal agent? We haven't done that. Could easily be rectified. Mike's words are empty threats as he is pushed to the floor and cuffed. Matt's face squishes against the grimy carpet next to him. Interior, FBI sedan. Later, Mike and Matt share the back seat of a sedan, separated from the empty driver's area by a bulletproof plate of plexiglass. You said she gave you a card with the tracking ID. You have that? I destroyed it as soon as I entered it into the laptop. Why on earth would you do that? I didn't want anyone else to find it. And I'm supposed you memorized it? It was like 20 characters. Your point? So I didn't memorize it. That was our chance. Now it's gone. The passenger door opens and an agent gets in. Look, there's been a terrible mistake. There wasn't even our room. The agent turns to them. Nicole? Agent Nicole? Chris gave her life for me, so I wanted to help fulfill her life's work. 
And that work included arresting the people who rescued you? The way I remember it, I rescued you. But anyways, the raid wasn't my doing. I only found out about it at the last minute. Ah, so you came to say it's not your fault. Well, you know, fuck you very much. What I'm saying is cooperation is your best option. I'm sorry I can't help you more. You have to. We found Kylie. Almost. We almost found Kylie. Matt, I... But they took my laptop. I need it back. We're tracking someone to a place called Silence, and when we know, that's where Darius sent Kylie. Trust me. You have to cooperate. Nicole's response is cut off as the driver's side door opens and Agent Dallas gets in. Interior, mansion, day. Taylor sits on the edge of a velvet chaise lounge, her knees tight together and face tense. Across the ornate room stands a pair of suited guards, each with a submachine gun in hand. A skeleton key twists open an iron door, and slow footsteps follow into the room. They are that of Darius. He sizes Taylor up as he approaches with a silver tray, supporting a tea set. Darius sets the tray in front of Taylor and delicately pours hot water into two fine china cups. Black licorice rooibos. Fitting, wouldn't you say? Fuck you. Is that any way to talk to your host? This is your place? Yes. I call it silence. It's where I invite only the finest of specimens, of which you certainly are. Listen to me very closely, you demented cliché. You will never break me, and I will kill you. Darius nods at one of the guards, who in turn hooks his weapon over his shoulder and pulls a jeweled choker from his inside pocket. He approaches Taylor from behind and moves to clasp it around her neck. She grabs it, ready to tear it off defiantly. Don't you want to know what that is before you tamper with it? Not wanting to call his bluff, Taylor concedes. If you disobey me, I will do this. Darius presses a remote control. Blue static bounces from jewel to jewel, doing laps around Taylor's collar, causing an unavoidable scream. If you leave the facility or try to remove the collar, electricity will race through your veins so hard you'll burn from the inside out until you die. A section of the wall parts to reveal a video screen. A young girl runs away from the house along a circular driveway, then, without warning, stops in her tracks and convulses. Your tea is steeped. Drink it. Recognizing her limited options, Taylor sips the cup, never breaking eye contact with Darius. You are a fighter, aren't you? We've had those as well. Do you like to see another video? Taylor would like to lunge at him, scratch his eyes out with her bare hands. But she knows now is not the time, so instead... If you desire it. Ah. Now you understand how this works. Exterior, city street, day. Back in Canada, Sid and Michelle slowly walk past run-down electronic stores and adult video theaters, most of which are permanently closed. I would have done the same thing. What's he doing there? 
Hasn't anyone told him you don't play where you work? You mean you don't shit where you eat? Sid didn't hear Michelle. She didn't because her attention has shifted to an image on the news. Michelle follows her gaze to a set of televisions in the window of a store, one of which has the volume up. A brazen shooting left three people dead at a downtown towing company this morning, including the owner, 64-year-old Marcel Obradovich. The shooter, identified by authorities as 31-year-old female Jordan Miller, surrendered to police without incident. Motives for the killings remain unclear, although Obradovich was known to police and was widely believed to be responsible for a number of murders in the city's red light district over the past decade, though charges have never been laid. She got him. She finally got him. Sid remains transfixed on the screen, even though the story has moved on to something about a bear wandering into a suburb. So that means that Kara doesn't have to worry. You can go back. No, I can't. I can never go back. I think I'm done. You can stay with me. I don't have a jacuzzi or silk sheets, but we can be together. Michelle, last night was so special. It made me feel human for the first time in as long as I can remember. But I'm done with everything associated with this life. And I represent the old life. I'm sorry. Don't be. I'm happy for you. Sid sympathetically smiles at Michelle's attempt to say the right thing at the expense of her feelings. And with that, Sid kisses Michelle on the cheek and walks away. Once across the street, she turns back to Michelle, who hasn't moved. Hey. Be careful out there. Michelle smiles through watery eyes. A voice from a passing car interrupts the moment. How much? Michelle's smile changes to a working smile as she walks towards the car, carefully making sure the pistol is easily accessible. That depends on what you want to do and how much I want to do with you. Interior, FBI interrogation room, day. Matt awaits the inevitable dialogue in a cold metal chair. It's not a long wait, as Agent Dallas casually joins him across the table, dropping a file folder so full it barely stays closed. Byron Matthew Lehane. It's Matt. I can see why. Is this how this works? You insult me until I talk? No, Matt. I offer you freedom if you tell us everything you know about Mike Donovan. No. Not selling out Mike. Drug deals, arms trade, association with the mob. The RCMP has been very helpful in sharing evidence they've collected in Canada. They'd be glad to have you put away down here. But let's be honest. You're not the real bad guy. You're a victim of circumstance. Wrong place, wrong time. Isn't that right? If you cooperate with us, you can put all that behind you and start fresh. Cooperate. Was that too many syllables? I know what it means. It's just... God damn it. This better be the right thing. Alright, I'll do it on one condition. I get my laptop back. Interior, windowless room, sometime later. 
Velvet walls and a shag carpet that even in the 70s would have been a little much adorn a windowless room inside a mansion. A padded door opens and Taylor is shoved through it. Curled on the carpet is a sleeping Lucy, who adorns a matching jeweled collar. She awakes as the door slams shut. Welcome to hell. Taylor scans the room. No one else there. No cameras or microphones that she can see. How long have you been here? Hard to say. Time sort of loses its meaning. What is this place exactly? I told you, it's hell. You look familiar. Did you know Selena? Of course. You look just like her. She's my sister. Jesus H. Christ. That's some serious bad luck. First your sister and now you? Hey, it's not like that. I let them bring me here. You what? Now that's some fucked up shit right there. It was the only way I could find them. And now that I have them, I'm gonna make them pay. Oh no, that kind of thinking is what gets us both killed. Look, I don't know what kind of idea you had coming here, but now that you are, you're stuck. There must be a way. The only way out of here is if Darius gets bored of you and sells you to someone else. And the way I see it, we may be in hell, but this is like the first level of hell. Some of those people Darius deals with are like seventh level hell. If you're going through hell, keep going. Yeah, that's good. I like you. Listen, just do what Darius says and don't go biting any dicks off like Kylie, okay? Kylie? Is she here too? Just how many people do you know from here? I don't know her. But people who do tracked me here, and they're coming to rescue her. Exterior FBI Building, Day. Matt, unshaven and noticeably sleep-deprived, exits the federal building, his laptop tucked under an arm. He ducks into the first alley he finds and crouches against a urine-coated wall, too preoccupied to notice. He flips open the laptop. The GPS is still up. Yes! His eyes shift to the end of the alley. Oh, yes. Parked inconspicuously is a Ducati monster. Matt wastes no time in hot-wiring it, a skill he clearly has practiced. This is covered under immunity, right? Exterior, estate, dusk. The Ducati comes to a halt just out of sight from a gated entrance to the mansion. Matt susses the security system, which has a camera and intercom, but is unmanned can work with that. Reaching behind his back, Matt draws the laptop which had been tucked into his belt like a weapon. And in his hands, it is one. He rests it on the bike seat and pops it on. The battery indicator reads 4%. Okay, that's not great. He types frantically into a terminal window. 3%. 2%. More typing. 1%. An error message appears. Connection lost. He lifts the laptop above his head, shifting its position, trying to find the right angle. Come on! Come on! And there's the sweet spot. He taps enter, and the screen goes dark. Or, did the screen go dark and then he tapped enter? Only one way to find out. Matt approaches the gate. The camera doesn't seem to be moving, which gives him an ounce of more confidence. He grabs the rungs and pulls. The gate rolls open. Interior, windowless room, later. 
In the wretched room, Lucy and Taylor are interrupted from a conversation by someone coming in. It's one of the armed guards. Showers, both of you. Darius wants you cleaned up for dinner. The guard motions across the hall to a bathroom with no door. Who goes first? You go at the same time. Of course we do. And I suppose you're going to watch. They always watch. Sometimes more. Lucy looks at Taylor to confirm that there isn't going to be trouble. Are you going to take these off first? <laughs> Water resistant, bitch. <laughs> Fine. Taylor leads the way to the voyeur's paradise of a shower. The two shower like prisoners at Alcatraz. When the water goes off, the guard motions to evening dresses hanging on the inside wall. Put those on. As emotionally void as in the shower, or at least appearing to be, Taylor gets into the dress. A hairdryer is already plugged into the wall, which she begins to use. Lucy reaches for a tub of gel, slicks back her hair, and offers it to Taylor. Taylor spots a small can of hairspray. This is more what I need. Lucy could tell from the look that Taylor is up to something. I gotta take a shit. You wanna watch that too? Definitely up to something. The guard furrows his brows. Does he know? Taylor hikes up her dress and straddles the toilet. That'll do it. The guard turns around. Lucy shakes her head no, but there's nothing she can do. Taylor, eyes steadfast on the back of the guard's head, scoops a bit of the gel and lets it drip into the toilet. That should ensure he doesn't turn back. She takes the aerosol can and tucks it into her cleavage until hidden. Taylor flushes the toilet, and the guard turns back. Wait until you're called. The two women return to the room. Something startles Lucy, but she keeps it inside until the door is shut. It's Matt, hiding against the wall inside. It worked! How the hell did you get in here? Surprisingly weak security. Too much would draw attention, I guess. I think Darius is more concerned with keeping people from getting out than in. These necklaces are his electric fence. Darius, he's here. He runs the place. I guess you could say this is his personal harem, where he keeps only the finest of specimens. My God. He's had Kylie the whole time. Where is she? I'm so sorry. You were too late. Kylie is gone. What do you mean gone? One of the guards made her go down on him. She bit it off. Crazily, that's not the first time. Matt. He activated her necklace. She was electrocuted to death. Kylie's dead. This is all my fault. Nothing that happens here is anyone's fault. But, but, but it is. There is no time for self-pity. We have to stop him, and I have a plan. Interior, FBI offices, day. Once again, we find Jennifer behind her desk with a knock at the door. This time, it is Agent Dallas. I'm ready to proceed on the Mike Donovan case. 
about that. Oh, no. We've got orders for a deal. A deal? Why? With Byron's testimony, we have enough to lock this guy up in Petersburg for life. Three times over. His sentence is service. We're hiring him. You gotta be kidding me. Blame Nicole Bauer. She helped make it happen. She calls in sick so she can talk to the DOJ behind my back. I knew she was going to be a problem. Exterior mansion evening. A black sedan pulls up to the mansion and stops out front. Out steps Nicole, who sees the wide open front gate. She draws her weapon and proceeds through on foot. Interior dining room evening. Darius sits at the head of an elegantly set table, with Lucy and Taylor across from each other on the sides. After tucking a silk napkin into his collar, he retrieves the remote control and places it next to his cutlery. The guards linger behind the table. One eyes the filet mignon. Bon appétit. <laughs> Don't you think, since this is our first meal together, that we should light the candles? Why, yes. Of course we should. A nod to one of the guards cues him to do so. He leans over Lucy, using a lighter to ignite each of the stems in a silver candelabra. As he lights the final wick, Taylor swiftly pulls the aerosol can from its hiding place and grabs the candelabra. She sprays the can through it, creating a fireball that hits the guard right in the face. Darius grabs the remote and presses hard. Nothing happens. You know, you really need a better fire, Lucy. With hope in her eyes for the first time that we've seen, seizes the opportunity and wrestles the submachine gun from the guard who's busy holding his burned face. The other guard raises his weapon to shoot, but Lucy gets a burst off before he can, riddling him with bullets. She turns the gun back towards its owner and shoots point-blank into his stomach. Hungry? With both guards down, Darius pushes back from the table and draws a pistol, firing at Matt. Matt ducks behind an island. You! Darius positions himself for a cleaner shot. He aims at Matt's head and... Nicole, standing in the edge of the dining room, shoots Darius in the back. Darius crashes against the wall and slides down, but he still has a shot, and he takes it. This time, Matt is hit. In the neck. Taylor catches him by surprise as she kicks the gun out of his hand. She pulls her collar off and clamps it around Darius's neck instead. Let's see how you like it, you piece of shit. Matt, struggling to breathe as he clutches his wound, reaches up to his laptop plugged in at the counter and presses a single key. They're back on. Lucy, who has also removed her collar, picks up the remote, aims it at Darius. This is for Kylie. And activates the collar. Darius convulses as electricity drains the last remaining life he has. His body finally goes rigid, his eyes fried open. Nicole runs to Matt and pushes his hand firmer to his neck. Do not let go of that. I need to find gauze. <sighs> Don't bother. Just keep putting pressure on it. Tell Mike I'm sorry. I should have gotten here sooner. I can't change the past. I can only keep trying to make it right. Matt's eyes close as his hand slips away. 
Interior FBI Briefing Room C, Day. Agents are gathered for a briefing. The room is filled to capacity. This time, it is Nicole, now in her 30s, who commands the room. This will be a coordinated raid across seven locations. To give you an idea of what we're up against, I've brought in our human to lead on this to tell you himself. Mr. Donovan? Mike steps into the light. Expect each of your targets to offer significant resistance. Human traffickers have nothing to lose. And operations like this don't go off without casualties. So let me ask you this. Are you willing to give your life if it means stopping them? In this episode, you heard Matthew Carvery in the role of Matt, Jeff Sinizak in the role of Mike, Jillian Clare in the role of Nicole, Tom Conkle in the role of Darius, Emily Schooley in the role of Michelle, Anais Rosenzweig in the role of Sid, Lindy Greenwood in the role of Taylor, Sarah Booth in the role of Lucy, Robert Vestal in the roles of Agent Dallas and the Guard, Angelica Alejandro in the role of Jennifer Dionisio, and Jessica Edmonds in the role of Kara. Narration by Jonathan Robbins. Original score by Adrian Ellis.